Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, folks. Welcome to a brand new episode of Thanks for the Knowledge, Fanbyte's weekly news show rounding up the headlines and games and entertainment in one handy podcast. I'm your host, head of Fanbyte Media, John Warren. Hope everyone is having a wonderful holiday week. Hope you're rested. Hope you're having fun. Uh, I hope you're eating some good food if that's a thing that's important to you. It's important to me. And um, I, I think I'm probably eating well by the time you're hearing this. Probably too much, but that's okay. That's my own problem. Um, I've got a I've got a show for you. I'm not going to say it's jam packed because it's a little bit less jam packed. I answered a couple questions from the Discord. We're going to take it easy this week. I'm going to get you ready for what's coming up this coming week with game releases and things like that. And I'm also going to tell you about some news. There was actually a lot. I'm recording this on Tuesday uh, before Thanksgiving, so within those two days, there have been a lot of stories, and we should probably get to those first. Only two days into the week. Yes, I'm recording this on a Tuesday before Thanksgiving. Uh, we have a bunch of news stories to talk about. Um, and a lot of them are follow-ups from things that we, we kind of already know. I want to start with Activision Blizzard. I know you might be tired of hearing about it, but it's really the story of 2021. And I do want to call attention to a new development that, uh, by the way, I'm going to brag for a second. Uh, we broke this story. Uh, but thank you, Imran, for uh, doing your amazing work and actually breaking the story. Um, it is an update. You remember how um, Activision Blizzard, um, you know, came under fire for all the uh, revelations about Bobby Kotick from the uh, Wall Street Journal last week? Uh, I reported on it on this very show. If you want to go back and listen to that, you can. Um, that, uh, so both Sony president Jim Ryan and uh, Xbox head Phil Spencer um, released statements that said uh, that they were very disappointed and distressed and all of those things about the recent reports about Activision Blizzard and were reevaluating essentially their relationship to the company as long as Bobby Kotick remained at the head of it. Um, this was a big deal. And, you know, if you want to look at console manu- manufacturers, we've got, of course, PlayStation, we've got Xbox, and we were kind of wondering where Nintendo fell on this. Well, we found out on Monday afternoon in an email sent by Nintendo of America president Doug Bowser. Uh, This uh, was sent to uh, a bunch of folks internally as well as uh, Retro Studios and also Next Level Games. He mentioned how he felt about Activision Blizzard specifically in this email. Um, And he says, quote, along with all of you, I've been following the latest developments with Activision Blizzard and the ongoing reports of sexual harassment and toxic toxicity at the company. I find these accounts distressing and disturbing. They run counter to my values as well as Nintendo's beliefs, values, 
and policies, uh, end quote. Uh, he also went on to say the representatives at Nintendo have been in contact with Activision and taken action uh, in assessing other actions as well. Uh, those actions were not uh, specified in the email, uh, but it could be read uh, similarly to Jim Ryan and Phil Spencer's comments about reevaluating the relationship to Activision Blizzard. Um, now, this falls short of saying that uh, that uh, Bobby Kotick needs to be removed from the head of the company, uh, but it is essentially the final indictment of the big three um, uh, of PlayStation, Xbox, and now Nintendo uh, against Bobby Kotick and his leadership in Activision Blizzard. Um, uh, Nintendo did uh, send us a, a confirmation that this email was legitimate. They said, we can confirm the content of Doug Bowser's internal email to Nintendo of America staff is accurate. We have nothing further to share on this topic. Uh, if you want to read other details of the story, you can do so over at fanbyte.com. We will continue to track it to see if anything else comes of this. Um, again, as of Tuesday afternoon at about 3.30 Central Standard Time, uh, Bobby Kotick is still uh, the at the head of Activision Blizzard, still the CEO. Uh, he has also said he would consider stepping down if he could not fix the uh, internal problems that are happening at Activision Blizzard. Uh, Activision Blizzard, for its own part, on Tuesday, uh, says that they are in a press release and also a blog post uh, forming a committee to ensure that these policies are, uh, in fact, handed down and executed um, instead of, of course, removing Bobby Kotick, they are uh, starting other committees and all this other stuff. Um, that's really amazing. Uh, we have actual, all those details about Bobby Kotick's terrible past 10 days uh, over at fanby.com. Of course, Kenneth Shepard has written all of that up for us uh, exceptionally. Thank you so much, Kenneth. Uh, and also, of course, to Imran for tracking down this Nintendo story that was a bombshell on a Monday evening. So thanks for that. Now, I know Jim Ryan has uh, released a statement about Activision Blizzard and being very disturbed about all the sexual assault stuff. Um, however, on Tuesday afternoon, Axios first reported that a former Sony employee at PlayStation, an IT security analyst named Emma Maho, is filing a lawsuit against the company for gender discrimination and wrongful termination. She's also looking for court approval to start a class action lawsuit that would affect women employed by Sony over the past four years. Um, the, uh, the complaint actually says, uh, quote, Sony discriminates against female employees, including those who are female and those who identify as female in compensation and promotion and subjects them to work culture predominated by men, end quote. Um, by Maho's account, her boss would not, uh, there are a lot of details in the support, but her boss would not actually talk to her with the door closed, would also not talk to her if there were a male colleague present and instead direct all questions and comments to the male colleague. Uh, and then when she actually released a uh, statement to HR about these uh, discriminatory practices she was fired soon thereafter um, the official word is that this was part of a uh, department uh, closure she insists that she didn't even work for that department at the time of the closure so there's some tricky stuff there so even though jim ryan uh, was fairly quick to come out to condemn uh, the new allegations against bobby kotick um, he's also got a bit of a glass house situation brewing and we will obviously keep our eyes on this lawsuit as it develops just like we have with all the other ones that are going on. 
this industry is kind of a cesspit sometimes. Anyway, um, one of the big t- uh, t- stories on Tuesday is the acquisition of Harmonix by Epic Games. Uh, Harmonix is, of course, the folks that made Rock Band and Fuser, and now they have sold to Epic. Um, and we were kind of curious about what this would entail. And in FAQ that Epic released, uh, they say that uh, Harmonix will be basically working with Epic on creating musical experiences uh, for Fortnite. Um and if that's a super deflating and disappointing thing to hear, I get it. It kind of feels like this year's version of Campo Santo being purchased by Valve, where I'm happy that Harmonix is uh, uh, stable and don't, doesn't have to worry about budgets and things like that again. But it also seems like they're working on stuff that I don't really care about. Fuser is one of the best games that came out last year. It really is. It did not get the love it deserved or the support it deserved. Its PC numbers were pretty low and its console numbers were not that far behind. Um but it's a really good game, and I think Harmonix deserves a lot of, uh, I don't know, deserves many chances to basically put something out there that the masses will love. But even so, um, yeah, it's tough to make music games. It's been tough for them for a long time. It's really hit or miss. Those licensing fees are really, really high. It's tough to do a good margin on music games, it seems like. Anyway. That's all well and good, but hey, this partnership with Epic, it, now that they just belong to Epic, they probably don't have to worry about those budgets. They don't need to worry about that licensing stuff. Like All that stuff is basically taken care of. The problem is that they're going to be making stuff for Fortnite. Um, uh, at least that's a problem for me. For all the kids out there, that's going to be super exciting because what it means probably is cooler concert experiences, cooler music experiences, that some of the things that I've uh, experienced on Fortnite that are not of the battle Royale shooter variety, it's a mixed bag. Like some of them are really impressive. Some of them are really hit or miss. Hopefully with harmonics coming on board, a lot of those big events will be, will all be bangers uh, because they've got such a great pedigree. So uh, obviously super happy for that team to have that security, to have that kind of lockdown uh, security for the future. A little bum that we may not get to see some of the cool games and experiences that Harmonix has been known for. But hey, like whatever. Maybe after doing some stuff for Fortnite, they'll get to release their own thing. Uh, and I don't know. Who knows? Um, uh, on Monday, uh, we learned that uh, Hideo Kojima uh, and Kojima Productions is expanding to movies, TV, and music in a studio in Los Angeles. Uh, the uh, the team outside of video games we read, led by Riley Russell. Uh, he was at PlayStation for three decades, and now he's going to be working on TV, movies, and music. Uh, and that's all going to be based on Hideo Kojima's and Kojima Productions's uh, productions. Uh, own IP. Riley Russell gave a statement to games uh, to GameIndustry.biz about the new division, and this is what he had to say, quote, the new division will be tasked with working with creative and talented individuals in television, music, and film, as well as the more familiar games industry. The team has, as, as its charter, the goal of expanding the reach and awareness of the properties now under development at Kojima Productions, and to make them even more a part of po- our popular culture. Although we are a global organization the new business development team will be centered in Los Angeles, California. We are truly excited and looking forward to working with the very best entertainment talent we can across all the entertainment industries, end quote. Um, I probably don't need to tell you about Hideo Kojima's pedigree. Like him or hate him, 
Um, he is someone that is pretty intersectional in his tastes. He likes to reach across uh, industry lines to grab fa- uh, figures from uh, from film and television and and music to create his video games. So it would make sense to go in the opposite direction. This seems like something that would have happened, I don't know, 10 years ago if, if Konami had basically just like, I don't know, made shit work. Uh, but this makes a lot of sense, honestly. Like, if anyone's going to do this, it makes sense that Kojima's going to do it. I'm sure Jeff Keighley is is so fucking excited about this. He can hardly stand it. We'll probably hear about it at the Game Awards. Uh, who knows? Uh, but this this development makes a ton of sense, honestly, to me. And uh, yeah, we'll 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 keep an eye on this to see what they come up with. Uh, if we're gonna see a Death Stranding uh, individual like television show or whatever, um, we don't really know what Hideo Kojima is working on next. We have some vague confirmation that more Death Stranding stuff is coming from Norman Reedus. Uh, but other than that, we really just don't know what they are working on. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, four big, pretty big stories that have uh, that have kind of developed in, in the two days of this Thanksgiving week. Listen, by the time you're listening to this, maybe more stuff has dropped, maybe more stuff has happened. But we took we took the back half of the week off because listen, we deserve it. We work really hard. Uh, so if I miss something, per- yeah, just pretend like I'm telling you about it right now. And, you know, these dulcet tones are in your ear telling you about the stuff that's happening right now in the industry. Anyway, bye. With folks on holiday and kind of taking it easy this week, I thought I would just ask the Discord some questions that they want answered instead of bugging my coworkers because you know they've got they've got families and food and stuff to do too so let's take a little bit of a break i I picked two questions out uh that i thought were fun um let's start you know what there's like a fun one and then like a kind of a more serious one i'm going to start with a more serious one uh because i think that that demands a more thoughtful answer and then we'll kind of we'll kind of wind it down with a, a chiller question. Uh, this is for Carlos in our discord. Thank you, Carlos so much for your question. Uh, I'm going to read the whole thing. Um, as someone who is currently in grad school about to finish, don't go to grad school. <laughs> that's a parenthetical. Uh, and I agree. <laughs> I agree, but that's another story. Uh, and is written about the rhetoric of games and their place as part of the culture industry for most of my time here. But I was wondering what do y'all think the future of games criticism is? The industry has of course moved a bit away from the old format of quote, game fun and run smooth end quote, and has moved uh, more into something that is a mix of ideological critique and game good. But there still seems to be general peace missing about how these games exist in culture, especially since criticism is also part of that culture industry. Uh, that's a big question. That's a really big question, Carlos. Um, <clears throat> I think a few things are happening and I was talking to um, I was talking to someone who shall remain nameless um, uh, recently in the industry about uh, reviews, game reviews about how in uh, like the magazine era in the mid nineties, early nineties, you weren't really able to get a lot of information from, of course, a source like the internet. And even in the early days of the internet, things were really pretty centralized to a couple locations. Um, I, I feel like, 
reviews are very much in the vein of game fun and run smooth with a little bit mix of criticism was really like the the only thing that you could find about games and it wasn't even super heavy in the criticism so that stuff was really valuable because it was the only kind of piece of information you could have about a video game a review in egm or game pro or nintendo power i mean i was old enough to subscribe to those and read those and that was that was how you got your information and when people started writing long form pieces about kind of what the industry is and how it fits into culture um broader culture things like that um that was a really important step and i think big outlets are still placing a lot of value on those game good and run good and fun kind of reviews um i still see that a lot and that's that's Okay, but I don't know how valuable it is when we constantly have a drip of information about these video games. Um, the, the example we talked about in this conversation a couple days ago was how valuable is it to have to read someone write a thousand words on if Halo Infinite is good, if you can go get it for free right now and have probably already watched a lot of people play it. Um, things are very open. Information is everywhere. So it really actually is less valuable now to actually know how something runs because that evidence is everywhere. Um, what is more valuable is cultural perspective or specific lived experience. I don't necessarily mean personal essays because although I think a lot of outlets do those and do those well, I think personal essays don't always tell you a story about how a game actually is or where it fits in culture. It can, but sometimes those personal essays don't actually hit on those things. Those are more like, introspective features which i think are also valuable but in a different way they don't necessarily tell me about how i might find the game or how that game might change my perspective uh but rather you know it's a very personal thing for someone else which like i admire but again it's just not the most useful thing for a wider audience but i do think cultural pieces about video games about uh and especially about how it intersects with other pieces of media that's one of those things that i think the games industry has been particularly bad at both from a creator and from a critical standpoint is the actual mixing and matching mashing of uh of genres of uh mediums and and all that stuff so um so i i think criticism let's i'm gonna step back for a second collect my thoughts and think about this because i'm kind of getting away from the point I think criticism's next step is twofold. I think it is, and I'm a little biased here because this is something that we're doing at the site. I think it is kind of getting away from those reviews that tell you if the game is interesting or good and instead tells you something very specific about how it fits into the overall conversation about games and games culture and culture writ large. Um, I think grabbing onto that stuff and pulling something interesting out of it is much more valuable right now than us telling you if the graphics are good or the frame rates good. I think that stuff can be accomplished in a stream or a tweet. I don't know if it makes sense from an ROI perspective to have those things uh, on a page along with a thousand other words 
that, you know, you you could probably glean from watching five minutes of a video. Okay. So there's that aspect of it. I also think, like, I don't want to say the future is more personal essay. I think it is more about cultural intersections, right? So whether that is, um, you know, across country lines, across ethnic lines, across religious lines, across lines of sexuality or gender or larger conversations about sociopolitical ideas, economics. Um, I think grabbing important pieces from grabbing important games from uh, all eras and forming these more longitudinal analyses of how games have affected culture and how culture has affected games. I think that stuff is going to be pretty valuable because we're dawning on what is it now? Like 40 plus years of the mainstream video game industry. Um, You can say it's really more like 35. If you want to start it with like the proliferation of Nintendo. Um, But I think you can, you know, you can take it about 10 years before that. So 40, 45 years that is in the history of man an unbelievably short time, but in the history of modern media, that's getting to be an older thing, right? It's not as old as television. It's not as old as recorded music or film, but it is getting to the point where we have nearly 50 years of cultural observation and a library of a vast, vast library of games that we can still play. I think preservation is going to also be really important in this. Um, But we are going to be able to make more longitudinal analyses of this medium uh, in the near future. And I think that's really exciting. I think taking more longitudinal approach to criticism is going to be really cool because it will be able to paint a picture of what might be coming next and perhaps give us a better insight into why things are happening now the way they are. Um, so I think that's, I think that's criticism. I think that's, I, I also think if we're going to prop up auteurs like Hideo Kojima and others, I do think more, rounded analyses of their of their bodies of work as a whole of their entire creative output i mean we see analyses of filmmakers like martin scorsese and spike lee and and others that have taken uh works from throughout their career from from the 70s and 80s till today and and constructed a really beautiful tapestry of who they are as an artist and I think we will start to see that. I mean, we may start to see that with someone like Shigeru Miyamoto, who's been part of the industry for 40 years. We may start to see that with Hideo Kojima, who um, is, I think, a natural figure for that because he has created so many intersections of his own, for better or worse. You may not like that, but you know that's something that um, that you know we might see more of. I think I, I, if we're going to treat these things like art and we're going to prop up auteurs, which like I may or may not agree with. I don't personally agree with kind of auteur theory in games as there are a ton of people that have to make them, but still these individuals are going to have to face, I think in 
uh, a longitudinal critique, right? Um, and I think we're going to see more of that. So uh, some of it is just like the more analysis of cultural moments today and the intersections between games and a lot of different media. Uh, some of it is just steering away from the typical nuts and bolts reviews. I think that's something that's going to be really interesting. And then I think like the big one is those longitudinal pieces because, um, you know, oral histories are one thing, which I think are really valuable. We've seen some amazing ones about Street Fighter 2 and about Final Fantasy 7, which also take into account a lot of history of those companies and the people that made them. But I do think we're going to start seeing even broader uh, analyses of the games industry and culture um, and how things have evolved and, um, you know, uh, impacted one another over the past 40 to 45 and close close to 50 years of a mainstream games industry. Carlos, I don't know if that was a useful answer. I don't know if you agree, disagree. You can obviously hit me up in the Discord. Let me know what you think, um, if that even made any sense. And obviously, come come discuss it in the Discord. I think it's a really good question, and uh, I'm definitely interested to see uh, other responses to this. So thank you, Carlos. Uh, Chris, a.k.a. Dull Focus, in our Discord also says, Yo, how are y'all doing? Nope, I read that wrong. Yo, how are y'all doing Thanksgiving this year? What's your killer dish? Chris, that's a wonderful question. And I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to give several answers here. The the killer dish that I'm not making this year, which is interesting, but my mom has started making. Uh, I'm not going to my my parents' place for Thanksgiving this year. I'm going to my in-laws. Um my mom has started making a corn pudding, which is like a kind of like a big casserole dish of like a corn souffle. It's like a cross between a souffle and cornbread with like, you know, actual kernel corn in it. And it's sweet, but it's also a little bit savory and it just tastes very, very good with the rest of kind of the festive dishes. So I'm going to miss that this year because I'm not making it, nor am I going to eat it at my in-laws place. Um, so that's that's one answer. I love I love that dish very much. Um, a, a dish that I look forward to every year, um, and that I'm making and taking with me is the sweet potato casserole. It's very obvious, you know, very simple thing of either cubed or mashed sweet potatoes. I've had it both ways, and I think they're both good with brown sugar, butter, all that stuff, and then layered. Uh, on top with, of course, uh, mini marshmallows. Um, and yes, like that's dessert, right? That, that's just, you could just eat that like dessert, but um, no, I just put that on my, on my plate, like a side dish and I eat it. Um, and it's, it's too sweet and it's too decadent, but uh, it's lovely. And when you get that kind of the blistered, uh, slightly burnt top on those marshmallows, it's good stuff. I don't care. It's good. Um, I'm also making mac and cheese. I think mac and cheese is an underrated Thanksgiving dish. The mac and cheese was not introduced to me as a possibility of a ba- uh, of a Thanksgiving dish until I was in my mid twenties. Cause I was just, we were, our family was just about Turkey and cranberry sauce and, uh, mashed potatoes and rolls and a sweet potato casserole and a broccoli rice casserole. Also very good. I actually did make a broccoli rice casserole this week. Like, for myself, because I knew I wasn't going to get at the in-laws house and 
Um, I, I, for whatever reason, wanted to bake this other stuff, the sweet potato thing and the mac and cheese, um, and wouldn't have had time for this other thing. So I was like, I'm going to make a broccoli rice casserole. Oh man, that stuff is great. That stuff is great. Um, killer dish. I mean, they're all really killer. Um, the, the one thing I'll say is like your protein every year. It doesn't have to be turkey. I mean, we often eat ham in addition to turkey. And I think like, I think ham's really good. I think honestly, like, uh, uh, my, the lady that does my hair, shout outs to Lauren at, uh, at wordsmith here in Fayetteville, Arkansas. What's up, Lauren? Uh, she said they're doing like an enchilada bar this year, like a taco and enchilada bar. That sounds amazing to me. Um, I would love to do that. I almost nearly set up a fried chicken bar this year. We we kind of decided it would be too much work and kind of a pain in the ass. But yeah, just like don't have to do turkey. You can do chicken. You could do ham. You could do whatever. You could, you could make steaks. You could do mushrooms. Just portobello mushrooms. I don't know. I don't. I think the attachment to turkey is weird. I sometimes love turkey if it's perfect, but it's never perfect. You know, anyway, uh, yeah, I didn't really answer. I just talked about Thanksgiving food for a while. Um, my, my ex-in-laws used to make a Brussels sprouts dish. I really liked, I haven't made it ever, um, since I got divorced, but, um, that was, that was really good. Brussels sprouts. Um, I don't know. Everything can be a killer. You know, it's, it's, it's really some of my favorite food of the year. Uh, it's good stuff. But the stuff that you don't like, just leave it behind. That's what I think. Don't 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 get too wrapped up in tradition. It's just, life's too short. You know? Hey, now that the Black Friday deals have passed, or at least the first wave of them, those seem to go like an entire week now kind of stressful anyway now that those are in the rear view for the most part i want to get you ready for the game releases that are coming out this coming week um this is basically from the 28th of november until december 4th so keep that in mind i know this is going up a few days early but i'm just gonna be covering that period of time uh let's start with uh let's start with uh, beyond a steel sky which is coming to ps5 PS4, Xbox Series X and S, and Xbox One, uh, as well as Nintendo Switch on November 30th. And then that's really it for uh, for November. In December, we have Anvil Vault Bre- uh, Breakers coming to PC on, on December 2nd, uh, as well as, I think this got delayed from last week, so apologies if I mentioned it two weeks in a row, but Cricket 22, the official game of the ashes. Again, I did a, a tiny little monologue about Cricket last week. Uh, it's interesting. It's not that it's not that difficult to understand. You should give it a shot. These games are fine. I don't know if they're great, but they're fine. Uh, PC, PS5, PS4, Xbox Series X and S, and Xbox One. That's also December 2nd. Century Age of Ashes is coming to PC also on December 2nd. Um, Warhammer 40,000 Battle Sector is coming to Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One, and PS4 on December 2nd. And the big one for me on uh on december 2nd is solar ash uh it is a follow-up to hyper light drifter uh from heart machine i'm very interested in this if you haven't seen anything about it it looks like shadow of the colossus meets uh sonic the hedgehog meets um 
I, 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 I hyper light drifter. I mean, that's, that's kind of the pitch. Um, and also the pathless. If you played that game, this kind of reminds me of the pathless a little bit, which was a very cool game from last year. Um, or God, was that this year? No, it was last year. Pathless was last year. Right? Yeah, I think it was. Um, anyway, Solar Ash is finally coming out on December 2nd. Uh, this has been in development for quite some time, uh, so I will be excited to see how it shakes out. I know we've got some coverage coming uh, for that game uh, this coming week on fanbyte.com, so of course, keep your eyes peeled. Uh, I know a few few folks on staff are excited to play that one. Uh, we have Disney Magical World 2 Enchanted Edition coming on December uh, 3rd to Nintendo Switch. We have Happy's Humble Burger Farm on December 3rd coming to PC, PS5, PS4, Xbox Series X and S, and Xbox One. We have Unreal Life on Switch coming to uh, coming on December 3rd. Uh, and we uh, we have Mobile Suit Go... Uh, excuse me. I'm, I have to take this one more time. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Mobile Suit Gundam Battle Operation Code Fairy Volume 3. We had volume two last week, I believe PS five and PS four. The tragedy, as I'm reminded, as I look at our spreadsheet uh, is that advanced wars one and two reboot camp was supposed to come out for switch on December 3rd and no longer It is being delayed by quite a bit. If you recall, that's very sad because I wanted to play this game very, very badly, but we're going to have to wait Uh, in terms of Xbox game pass. December is an interesting month. Uh, we do have a departure that's on December 8th, so it's not this coming week, but it's the week after Destiny 2 Beyond Light. That game is going to be leaving Game Pass. Uh, so you'll be able to get a uh, discount on it uh, if you don't already own it. Uh, but yeah, this will be the last uh, you know 10 days or so that you'll be able to play Destiny 2 Beyond Light. But we have some interesting stuff coming. That Warhammer 40,000 Battle Sector game is coming to Xbox Game Pass uh, on December 2nd. So you can uh, play it on Game Pass on console or PC. There's a little game called Halo Infinite. It's the campaign on December 8th. Again, I can't stress this enough. That is an Xbox Game Pass game. So don't go out and buy it if you got Game Pass. You can play it right now, or you can play multiplayer right now for free, whether or not you have Game Pass. But pick up that Game Pass, and you'll you'll get the campaign. The campaign looks very cool. December 8th. Uh, Among Us comes to Game Pass on consoles on December 14th, and The Gunk comes to console, PC, and cloud on December 16th. So you have some time for, for those. But remember, Halo 8th. Don't buy it. Don't pre-order it. Just get Game Pass. It's a really good deal. Um, Yeah. Uh, PlayStation Plus for December has not been announced yet. We have some speculation that we could we could uh, we could give to you, but I don't think that's particularly useful. There have been some leaks and suggestions. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait on it. I'm going to tell you when I know for sure what the PS Plus games will be. Uh, and that's going to get you ready for uh, for this upcoming week. Um, the final episode of this season of Great British Bake Off is on Netflix. By the time you're listening to this, comes to uh, Netflix on the 26th, I believe. Uh, that is uh, one of the better seasons of that show, honestly. I think I've been very riveted. I think the cast has been very good. Uh, it's still a very chill, uh, comfy show that I love to watch as I'm drifting off to sleep. Uh, but it's been very intense co- competition this year uh and the the final is this week so if you like the great british baking show um that's i'm obviously super looking forward to that uh and yeah that's gonna get you ready for this coming week and uh i hope it's a good one 
That is going to do it for this week's episode. I want to thank my producer, Paul Tamayo, for all of his wonderful work and contributions to this show. He does a lot more than you see. Helps me produce, but he also wrangles people. He gives me great ideas. He shouts out to the Discord for questions. He does a lot. So he is really my my equal on this show. Thank you, Paul. You can find Paul on Twitter at Polymayo. You can also find him uh, at The Optional, which is a wonderful podcast that you can listen to right here on the Fanbyte Network. He and Cam Brewster every week talk about video games and other stuff that they like to do. Yeah, that's right. Other stuff. We're a well-rounded outlet, okay? Um, and you can listen to that every single week. Uh, thank you again, Paul. Um, you can find me at floppy adult on Twitter. You can also find all of Fanbyte at Fanbyte media. You can find all of our podcasts at podcastnet.org. and please join our discord. I got my questions from today from the discord. There's a channel, uh, that is for the thanks for the knowledge show. It's right there. We can talk about Fanbyte lore and news stuff that drops. And you can also ask me questions that I will periodically answer every week so that's fanbyte.casa and if you don't want to use a funny url you can also go to fanbyte.com slash discord but use fanbyte.casa it's very fun uh okay folks i hope everyone has uh a wonderful wonderful holiday restful uh big month ahead uh with all the other holiday stuff so uh, you know get ready for all that (laughs) until next week you're welcome